Hello, and welcome to the Untitled Gen X Podcast. Podcast hosted by two childhood best friends dedicated to the pop culture that raised us. I'm Kate, a writer, a midwife, a current day pop culture know nothing, but nobody puts baby in a corner when it comes to the pop culture of my youth. And I'm Lori, a writer and pop culture lover who's still not over how my so-called life left us hanging. Today, we're getting in the holiday spirit with a very special Thanksgiving crossover episode. Consider it a heavy helping of your favorite side dishes. Yes, we'll be dishing on our favorite Thanksgiving episodes of The Cosby Show and Who's the Boss? So let's talk turkey, Kate. What does your Thanksgiving in core look like this year? Well, my very special quarantine Thanksgiving will be me by myself in my apartment. But I feel like I am uniquely ready for this challenge because as I have mentioned in previous episodes, I've moved a lot, which means I've often lived in places where I didn't have any family. And like, maybe like, depending on when you move, sometimes you don't have friends yet. Uh, Or all your friends are at home at their families out of town for the holidays. So I have a lovely Thanksgiving by myself tradition that involves all of my favorite dishes from Thanksgiving and none of the ones that I don't like. Oh, that's good. What do you get to skip that the rest of us are generally eating to be polite? Uh, There's no salad. (laughs) We wouldn't want a vegetable in there. No, I'm just kidding. I know you have vegetables, but like, like a green salad? Right, like a green salad. That doesn't have a place at a Thanksgiving table. I've been to Thanksgivings with that. And it's not that like, like I love me some Brussels sprouts, but I just feel like in terms of like space in my belly for all the things I want to eat on Thanksgiving, <laughs> like Brussels sprouts just doesn't make the cut. Belly real estate is a valuable commodity. <laughs> so like Brussels sprouts, I love you, but like another day. I'm with you on that. Yeah. So like I stick to like green bean casserole for my greens on Thanksgiving. And then I also whip up a nice batch of mulled wine, which Mm. uh, if you haven't had mulled wine, might I highly recommend it. Sounds good. And then I just watch all of my favorite holiday movies until like I can't take it anymore or I've had so much mulled wine that I'm like, I'm going to go to bed now. (laughs) So... (laughs) So that's going to be my very special quarantine. That's really nice. Holiday. I actually love it because it's all of the best parts, maybe without, well, not all of the best parts, of course. They're, especially in a year like this year, it would be lovely to spend time with the ones that we love, the ones that we really want to be with. But that usually includes people that maybe you don't necessarily want to be with maybe some drama a little complication family dynamics yes we just had an election people have differing views about covid so to be able to not have any of that but to just have the great food and the time spent doing what you want to do i think that's a lovely tradition right and then i mean and of course there's like phone calls and facetime and and things with family um what does your Thanksgiving holiday look like. So Thanksgiving is my dad's holiday. It is. It is your dad's holiday. It's my dad's holiday. He loves Thanksgiving. He doesn't care about Christmas or Easter or birthdays or Father's Day or any of those kinds of things. They're just not important to him. But Thanksgiving is wildly important to him. He and my stepmom cook the whole meal from scratch. And their house is generally the one that is open to all. So anyone that maybe doesn't have a place to go on Thanksgiving or isn't traveling 
traveling back home to visit their family, they're welcome to come to the house. And it's always really lovely. They put on a beautiful meal. They take it really seriously. They menu plan. They practice run. There is a schedule. It's it's serious business. Is there a signature cocktail? No, but there's always like a great variety of wine. It's really lovely. And more than that, it's just so important to that side of my family. I've never, I'm 44 years old. I have never one time cooked a turkey. I don't know how that works. It seems like science. It's complicated. And guess what? I have never had to. I will never have to until the day, a long, 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 long time from now when my dad is no longer with us. He has prepared every Thanksgiving meal I've ever had. It's kind of sad because my dad lives about three miles away from me, and this will be the first year we do not have Thanksgiving at the same table. And he's going to prepare all of it, as he always does with my stepmom, and we're going to pick it up and we're going to eat it, but we're going to eat it over Zoom. Yeah. And it's just, it's a bummer because it's better than not seeing faces, of course. Sad. Well, this won't help your kids. What's the alternative? For you, there will be alcohol involved, so... (laughs) (laughs) Always. Cheers to that. (laughs) That'll make it a little more. Well, I had a lot of fun revisiting the Cosby show, which, okay, Bill Cosby, we know. Everybody, we know. We know. I'm going to I'm gonna take the hit for that one because I was like, oh, I remember the Cosby show with Theo and the turkey. And I wasn't really thinking about like how that has changed uh, over the years with our current day knowledge of the monster that is Mr. Bill Cosby. Cosby. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, you're nicer than I am. Yeah. So we just want to, we just want to acknowledge that, but we also want to say that it was a part of all of our youths, right? If everyone very, very successful, broke all kinds of barriers, was a huge touchstone of the 80s. It really was. It was a great show. What a shame to tarnish like such a piece of pop culture, you know? Um, Oh, yeah. I mean, we could go down a laundry list of beloved entertainers who have done just that. It's true. So many, so Mm -hmm. many. Anyway, so we just wanted to acknowledge that, but we also, we didn't want to skip over it because it is such a part of the pop culture of our youth. What's funny is when I remember it, I remember so much of the Theo carving the turkey issue. Let's tell everyone in case they want to watch along. We're talking about the episode titled Bonjour, Sandra. This is season one, episode 10. Are we sure that it's episode 10? Because I think it's episode 11. I checked multiple places and one place I checked said 11 and everything else said 10. What was it when you watched it on Prime? Uh, So we watched it on Amazon Prime if you want to know where to get it. (laughs) I don't remember, but just know it's called Bonjour Sandra and it is season one. So you can find it. This episode originally aired on November 22nd, 1984, and it was actually the first episode where we were introduced to Sandra when it premiered on September 20th, 1984, which ironically, we're also covering Who's the Boss? Who's the Boss also premiered on September 20th, 1984. They premiered on the same day. What did they used to call Thursday night? On NBC. Mm. Do you remember? I don't know because Friends later took the 8 p.m. Thursday that, no, night. No, Thursday spot. night. It's like a hot ticket. And for a while, was it, it was like something and Family Ties. Right. And I feel like it was Cosby Show and then Family Ties. Oh, but Who's the Boss was on ABC. Oh, okay. Both shows ran from 84 to 92. Oh, that is interesting. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Wow. We And we just randomly chose these shows. It's like we knew, but we didn't know. So. Right. 
But I remember watching the show in real time and this episode coming on and being like, who's Sandra? I didn't even know they had another daughter. Do they ever mention that? Is she in the opening credits? I have the exact same memory of being like, There's another wait, they have another child? kid? <laughs> what? How did I miss this? Uh, and she's like, college? What? Because uh, Rudy is young and, and the idea right. of a college kid, but not that there's anything wrong with that. No. So I looked it up on Wikipedia. So we'll, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, <laughs> That's but- stellar reporting. fact checking right there I may be in a doctorate program so I'm very good at research but I just did this quickly before the show and you Uh, don't use wiki in your research I never use wiki (laughs) my teachers would not approve of that so she was not in the pilot she was not an original part of the show oh Cosby wanted the show to express uh, I'm quoting from wiki uh, Cosby wanted the show to express the accomplishment of raising a child so like okay. successfully you know launching somebody and and you know she's at Princeton she's clearly very bright yes um, has a good future ahead of her so so that's what that was but interestingly the actress who plays her almost didn't get the part because she's only 10 years younger than Felicia Rashad <gasps> I love trivia like that. That's Wait, my favorite I've kind. Wait, I got a better piece of trivia. Tell me. Just take a wild guess of who else was in the running for this role, according to Wiki. Um. Wow. Well, who was big at the time? Is it someone we know famously now? Oh, it's now? someone we know so well. Janet Jackson. Close. Whitney Ooh. Houston. Really? Yes. That's fun bit of pop trivia go you I mean I don't know if it's true or not but that's what it said on the internet so I mean it really has to be true right that might like get you a win at a pub trivia night one day right I sock that away now it's now it's in here locked tight okay so let's get into the episode we open with Theo in the kitchen with his dad Cliff and he's like dad you promised when I was 14 I could carve the turkey And he's really interested in what it means to kind of be the man, if you will, of Thanksgiving, who gets to slice the amazing turkey and serve it. And Cliff is like, okay, well, slow your roll. First, you have to carve this. And he presents him with a chicken. Right. And like, I'm not just going to trust you with the holiday turkey. You have to learn how to do it properly. And Theo takes out a butcher knife and he's just like, he's ready to just hack into this chicken. Right. It's a cleaver, right? It's like, yeah, it's like, I don't even know. Do you even own one of those? Because he pulled that out and I was like, ooh. <laughs> I have never cleaved anything in my kitchen. <laughs> Nor have I. That's the butcher's job. It just makes me feel like someone will break into my house and use it against me. <laughs> it's a really scary thought. That's like a dark turn. So sorry. he's got this like very unhappy, angry face. And the dad is like, no, you have to be, you have to come to this with like, <laughs> like from a place of joy and happiness. And he, Bill Cosby gives that like signature puddin' pop face. Remember when right, you would do the right? puddin' pop commercials and yes. he would just have that like silly mischievous grin. And he's like, you need to come to this with the right attitude. So Theo's learning all about how to do this properly under his dad's guidance. Right. And um, we learned that. Sandra 
the, the mysterious is a child <laughs> of the Cosby family. <laughs> Who Surprise, knew? Surprise! Another kid. I mean, it was just preparing us for when Roseanne would have like new Becky one day when we yes. have yet another surprise. <laughs> like, oh, okay. So we learned that Saunders coming home for Thanksgiving from Princeton and Cliff and Claire talk about how smart and amazing she is. And right. Sandra arrives. This was kind of weird to me. That exchange between Sandra and Cliff. Where he won't let her in the door. He won't let her in the door. And I know he's like trying to be cute and and playful, but she asks her dad, how do I look? And he says like trash. Oh, I missed that. Like, obviously he was kidding, but like. But was he? But why? Was it passive aggressive? I don't know. Yeah, I didn't catch that. I know he gave her a hard time for having a lot of laundry, but also I was like, doesn't she have a key? Like, didn't don't oh. you didn't you have a key to your parents' house for a long time? I don't I anymore do. because I don't live nearby. But <laughs> I still do. I wouldn't just walk in the house without telling them, "Hi, I'm here." But like I they're expecting you. Like like when you like knock knock open the door. <laughs> I mean, the family is home. She right. has you know, a bunch of other siblings, they're home. It's Thanksgiving weekend. They're waiting for her. And right. why didn't they pick her up from the bus station? I was trying to figure out, like, did she, did take, she a take a cab? A cab? <laughs> it's not <laughs> like they were busy. She had four bags of laundry. Yeah, um, <laughs> she managed all, she muscled all that by herself. Right. Like, it's impressive. Way to welcome her home, Cosby. Right. And then she has to stand outside. And In she's the cold. Like, the golden child. She's the golden child who went to Princeton. She was the smart one, right? So. Firstborn overachiever. Right. And she says, let me in. It's cold. Right. And he still like gives her a hard time. And, and then he says she looks like in. trash. Well, that's, we're off to a great start <laughs> there, Bill. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. <laughs> So Sandra greets the family. They're all really excited to see her. She gives the siblings a bunch of Princeton swag, which is really cute. I mean, that's all you want is a t-shirt, right? Right. It's all you ever wanted as a kid. Like, bring me back a cool shirt. Right. That doesn't fit. That's too big that you're going to sleep in at slumber parties. But it's cool because you can be like, oh, look, I have a shirt that says, you know, whatever, wherever somebody wants. So uh, Sandra and Denise, they... You know, they have this cute sisterly relationship. They talk about boys and Sandra reveals that she wants to go to Paris and asks Denise for advice on how to ask the family. And Denise says, start with mom. Ask her how her job is. Nobody ever asks her how her job is. Mom's a lawyer. We're bored by her (laughs) profession. She's busy and stressed out. Ask her how it's going. Um, So can I, can we do a little side thing here? Which of the Cosby kids was your favorite? Denise was my favorite for sure because she always had really cool fashion. And yeah. so I I looked up to her in terms of her fashion persona, but I thought Rudy was just the cutest little girl in the world. She was precocious and funny and I loved her. And Vanessa was sassy, which Vanessa was the child that I wished I could be, but my parents would never allow that level of sass out of my mouth. <laughs> what about you? I mean – Lisa Bonet was just so cool, right? Like she's she still so cool. is. I, she is. Like, like she, she has just, just exudes been cool always. Cool. And <sighs> Zoe Kravitz is no exception. Right. I mean, it's it's in their genes, clearly. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so yeah, and she wore such great clothes. Vanessa at the time, this is this is a pattern for me that will recur as we talk about shows. At the time, Vanessa was not my favorite, although she was probably the closest 
to what I was actually like. I probably wasn't as, I would have liked to have been as sassy as her. Uh I think I probably wasn't as sassy as her because I just wasn't that clever. I didn't have enough writers. Um, She was the one who always said what we were all thinking. Right. She would just say it without apology. And I always appreciate that. I appreciate that in my scripted television. I appreciate that in my housewives. I like in the Bravo universe. I appreciate the person who just says it like it is. Yes. It's yes. It's always appreciated. So Sandra has these marching orders from Denise. This is how you handle it. You start with mom. And really... That is how you handle it. You want anything from dad, you start with mom. Right. You've got to get mom on your side, people. Like, I definitely grew up in a household where, like, mom was the deciding factor. Like, Mm -hmm. dad had to agree. But, like, if dad was, like, sure and mom said no, like. It It was a no. It was a hard no. (laughs) (laughs) It's much the same in my house. Yeah. (laughs) My husband's the yes man. And not because he's a pushover, just because I'm the worrier, I'm the planner, I'm obsessing over the logistics. And he's just thinking big picture, sounds great, go have fun. And I'm like, uh, 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 what about this? What about that? You know? Right. Like, so I'm not a mom, but I imagine that if I was a mom, I would be bossy. I think I would be. Yeah. I'd be like, this is how it goes. Let's reframe the word from bossy. I would be decisive. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Positive connotation. Right. So Sandra decides to talk to her mom. She asks about work. And of course, Claire is no fool. She's like, what do you want? Why are you asking me about work? (laughs) And she admits she wants to go to Paris over the summer, stay in her friend's cousin who is a ballet dancer. Her is she apartment. a ballet dancer or is she, she just is. a dancer? Okay. I a ballet the dancer. dancer part. Okay. Yeah. And wow, it sounds like a dream. I mean, at some point they say Sandra is 20. Yes, she is 20. But she just finished her first year at Princeton. So I decided that she was born in in December of the year she entered kinder. I was doing math. No, because like if you think about it, like you start college when you're 18, most people, and then maybe by the end of your first year you're oh okay it was thanksgiving she's 20 but that's okay yeah. we don't have to go there i was assuming she was a freshman maybe she was a sophomore i guess if she finished her first year and now it's november like she has to be into her second year right or maybe I mean, she started kinder at six years old it could go either way right it, it could be <laughs> endless possibilities i mean she was a character that got thrown into the show last minute so exactly she came to us in episode 10 or 11 debatable and fully formed. We know nothing about her. (laughs) Like, okay. So Claire thinks it's a great idea. I trust you. It's a wonderful opportunity. You're a responsible girl. So Claire says to Sandra, and I kind of love this, like a whole, we strike in the morning. Like we're going to, right. We're going to approach dad in the morning about this. I got you, boo. So we go back to Cliff and Theo in the kitchen and Cliff is not feeling (laughs) super comfortable with Theo and his carving skills. And now he tells him you have to practice carving a cabbage. Right. And then he, did you make a note about this? Cliff says something to Theo to the effect of like, well, you know, I always wanted a son and sometimes I just stand back and watch you. And I just, I I, I can't, I just can't believe it in a whole like. Like, I don't want to claim you as my son. Right. I'm just continually disappointed in you. And I I wrote that note and I wrote charming question mark. Like, 
I think in an interesting way that's relatable. There have been plenty of times I've asked my kids to do something that I think is very, very simple and they go to do it. And I realize they don't know how to do it. And I think, crap, I have failed them in the most basic of things like how to, I don't know, do laundry or call a customer service representative for help with something or like they're just fumbling around and it's disastrous. And I think to myself, oof, we have got to work on this. I have failed, but not in a whole like, I can't believe you're mine. It's more like, I can't believe I let this thing fall through the cracks. I see it more as my personal failure than a disappointment in you. Not that kids can't be disappointing. I mean, I have two kids. I mean, I've been a disappointment to my parents and my kids have been disappointments on occasion to me. Of course, we are humans. I just like to say that I have never disappointed anyone. (laughs) Ever. Totally true. Totally. (laughs) Let's get your dad on the line. Let's have a conversation. No, let's not do that. (laughs) It didn't feel super great to me. No, it kind of goes to the like, you look like trash kind of thing. Like what's like, what's going on here? This isn't nice. And you know, this is season one Cosby, like he's out to charm all of us. And he did. We were completely charmed by Cliff Huxtable, even with these little kind of digs. Yeah. And right. Cause it's fun. Cause is it in the cabbage carving scene where they have like the funny voices? Yes. Yeah. So Cliff tells Theo, watch it with this cabbage. You're supposed to respect the food. And I wrote, hmm, dot, 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 respect. Mm, let's talk about mm. respect, but let's we don't want to go there. that, Bill Cosby. Yeah, right. We're trying to keep Thanksgiving We're trying fun. We're trying to keep it <laughs> As we talk about like disappointing people. <laughs> And the man and the monster. So Cliff tells Theo, like, you need to talk in this character voice as you carve. And it's like almost like sort of a Julia Child voice. Right. And Theo's, yeah. And Theo's like, why are you talking that like that? And he's like, it just makes me feel more confident. It it was funny. And it wasn't really so funny when Bill was doing it. But the minute Theo copied him, I bust out laughing. It was so good. Do you know what's so funny is that in my memory, this whole show was revolved like, around that. Revolved around Theo and Cliff like training for the turkey carving. Like it was in my memory, very elaborate and very lengthy. And it really is a very small part of the actual show. But it was definitely the best part of the entire episode. Right. Funny. Theo really brought it. I thought that he was really the star of this episode. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was it was funny. So not a turkey, because we know that your dad is obviously the official turkey carver. Yes. But have you ever, oh, I bet not, because didn't we just have a discussion about how you've never baked a chicken? I've never baked a chicken, you guys. Like, and it's not that I don't cook. I just haven't, I haven't had a roasting pan. I just bought one. Okay. I just bought one. And I haven't roasted my first chicken yet. Yeah. I do roast chickens fairly frequently. Once I looked up how to carve it and I successful, I did a good job, but then I forgot. And mostly I, it's sad. Like, yeah, Cliff would be very disappointed. I would not get anywhere near that turkey. I would not be allowed. (laughs) Well, in all fairness to Theo, it's not like he could just YouTube it. Like he had to, in order to do it correctly, that knowledge had to be passed down from someone who knew. Right. And in this case, it was his father. It was a big deal to be the man of the house who carves the turkey. So Sandra and Claire come in the kitchen while 
Cliff and Theo are acting weird with the carving. Carving and it's kind of cabbage. <laughs> right. It's a cute moment. And Sandra says, you know, I want to go to Paris for the summer. Oh, the best part is that when Sandra is talking to her mom, her mom says, okay, this is what's going to happen. You're going to say it to your dad and your dad's going to go, hmm. Right. And then he's going to say interesting (laughs) and then of course he does just that so it's just a cute yeah it's cute like claire knows her husband well so but cliff was immediately like from a place of no and he's like i made plans for family vacation to the grand canyon and it's tradition and you know i get it she's their firstborn they're still learning how to appropriately let go and understand that here is this child coming into their own with their own life's plans and agenda and dreams. And their time is not automatically yours, particularly at 20 years old. She doesn't even live at home. You know, she's away at school. And so that's sort of like, no, it's a family tradition. This is what we do. I'm like, okay, but for how long? That seems kind of unfair at 20. Well, I get the impression, because I kind of thought that too. I'm like, you're 20, you can do whatever you want, which I mean, technically, but I get the impression that she comes home, like she lives in the Comes home, yeah. I'm sure that she does, but- But she's not independent at this point. I think at 20 though, it's more of a, this is a family tradition for the kids that live at home. Obviously, there's always an open invitation for you. I would love you to be there. I want you there every family vacation for the rest of our lives. That's an amazing opportunity to go to Paris for the summer with your friends. Right. That's incredible. And he, so he does say like one of my favorite lines when he says something about like, you don't even speak French. And she's like, I'm taking French next semester. And he says, do you know what happen when, happens when an American speaks French to a <laughs> French person? Uh, I do know what happens because <laughs> I went to Paris uh, by myself for a weekend when I was studying abroad in London. And I decided that I was going to do my best to be polite and respectful because, you know, there's sort of some known animosity between Parisians and Americans. So I started every conversation with my very sad French, which was like, you know, one semester's worth. And every single person just answered me in English. (laughs) But at least you tried. And I think that's where the difference is. It's the presumption that an American would go to Paris and expect everyone to be able to speak English to them. That's rude behavior. Everyone was very polite to me. And I do think it's because I started, I tried with my very poor French. And then they were like, oh, you poor little American girl. Let us us be done with that. (laughs) But you tried. You tried and we appreciate it. Right. Right? So Claire decides, okay, Cliff, you cray about this family tradition. I'm calling a family forum. And they bring all the kids down and they talk about Sandra's desire to go to Paris for the summer. And Claire states her case like the attorney she is. And then Cliff like tries to make it seem like his rebuttal is better. And I'm like, no, you're I'm losing. sorry, <laughs> you're a physician and she's an attorney. So <laughs> <laughs> stay in your she lane, wins. Cliff. So they're asking all the kids, well, what do you think? Do you think Sandra should go? And they all agree that she should go. Poor Theo was afraid to be honest about his opinion because he's like, if I'm honest about it, then dad's not going to let me carve the turkey. Because he literally says to him, like, if you're not on my side, you're never getting near a turkey. (laughs) Okay. Is that extortion? No, not extortion. There's a name for that. In the laundry list of things Cosby has done, it doesn't surprise me this shows up on the page. (laughs) 
whatever. Oh, dear. So Cliff then says, you know what? I'm done with this family forum. I want to have a a family caucus. I want to have a one-on-one with Sandra. So they talk and Cliff is basically says, like, I'm okay with you pretty much going anywhere but Paris because Paris is love and bloom. You're going to Paris to party. Like he's even okay with her going to Japan, but not Paris. Which is way further away than Paris. And I just, I don't understand the difference. Is Japan not love and bloom? Because I think I could fall in love in Japan just as easily. Freshman year of college in the dorms, not love and bloom. Yeah, what's going on here? (laughs) Like, yeah, and it's funny. He lets her like traipse through the streets of New York City with bags of laundry. (laughs) He doesn't even pick her up from the bus station. (laughs) But he doesn't want her to go to Paris. Right, uh... because love and bloom. So anyway, he finally decides, okay, you can go. So we move on to Thanksgiving dinner and Cliff rolls in this like beautiful cart with the turkey, very restaurant-esque. The turkey had that like silver serving lid. Like we just had a plastic, like it probably wasn't plastic, but it like tray with an actual like turkey on it. That was Yeah, like this was like full (laughs) silver serving ware. And he is dressed to the nines. He is wearing a suit with a tie. Theo is in a tie. Everyone is wearing their Sunday best. They are dressed up. Denise like gets best dressed for that table. Like she just, I was like, oh yes. Like she just always looked so good. And so original. My question to you is though, did you used to get dressed up for Thanksgiving dinner? Was this like not a formal if it occasion? Was just our house. If we went, <laughs> what about you, Lucky? <laughs> he has a tuxedo on every day. <laughs> so if we went to someone's house, we usually dressed a little bit nicer. But yeah. like if it was at our house, no, no. So Theo jumps up immediately to carve, and Cliff gives him the stare down. Like, you sit your butt down, kiddo. I have not passed the carving utensils to you. Slow your roll. Eventually passes the carving knives to Theo, and he tells him, like, son, talk it through. And Theo begins talking in the character voice as he slices. And credits full circle. It does. And it was really cute. It was a fun rewatch, even knowing what we know. Right. It was a fun trip back in time to when we didn't know what we know. And I still don't know how to carve a turkey, but there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't learn from the episode, but that's okay because now we have YouTube. Right. It's all good. So, okay. Do you want to talk about who's the boss? Who's the boss? Who is the boss? Not Tony Danza. Not Tony Danza. You know, okay, so this is really funny. Someone asked Alyssa Milano on a Reddit AMA, who was the boss? And she's like, Mona, duh. Oh, yeah, Mona totally was the boss. Mona was the boss. In fact, I went back and watched the first episode because I couldn't remember how it all started. And it was Mona. Mona was the one who was like, yeah, come here and and work here. And Really? I don't remember that. And then he showed up and Angela was like, you're not a girl. (laughs) And you're a little cute. (laughs) Right. So the episode that we're talking about is called Thanksgiving at Mrs. Rosini's. And this is season two, episode nine, available on Amazon Prime, at least for right now. And it was funny, like even just the opening credits with the song, I had completely forgotten about the song. And the minute it started playing and the van, all of, all of it, I was just like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And 
I knew all the words. I still knew the words and I didn't even know I knew the words. If you were to have asked me, do you know the words? Sing me the song, the theme song to who's the boss. I would have told you, I can't do that. I don't know. Yeah. And yet I knew all the words. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, how many times did we see it? I know. In real time and reruns. uh, (laughs) And the show ran for eight seasons, like we said. So it was on for a long time. We got to see those kids like, yeah, those kids grew up. They did. And this episode originally aired on November 26, 1985. And let's talk about it because there's actually a lot in this episode. Yeah. It was a meaty, pun intended. It was a meaty (laughs) episode. No, it was. There was a lot. There was a lot in it. I have to say, I think that I did not appreciate how funny this show was. Like, I think I was too young for a lot of the humor. You know, Tony Danza is so charismatic. And that's not something that I go around (laughs) thinking about very often. He's just not really on my radar anymore. I don't know if he's still acting or or not. But he is so completely charming. You fall in love with him immediately. Yeah. Very lovable character. So we open on Angela, you know, straight-laced, Miss Type A. A little uptight. Yeah. And Tony in the kitchen, and they're making pumpkin mousse. And she accidentally breaks an egg on him and she's just like oops I'm just so excited I'm having so much fun I've never I'm made- cooking yeah and by like- cooking I'm like handing you the ingredients while you cook <laughs> this is such a novel experience I've never made Thanksgiving dinner before and I wrote same girl <laughs> I've never made Thanksgiving dinner I'm not a stranger to the kitchen like Angela is but I have never made Thanksgiving dinner I have made Thanksgiving dinner in a cabin at a state park in Ohio, which had a very small kitchen. So it was an impressive feat. Wow. Yeah. Was the oven super tiny? Because I feel like if you're in a cabin, that is going to be one small oven. How do you manage that? Uh, So the turkey barely fit. I mean, it wasn't a giant turkey because it was just for me and my boyfriend at the time, but it barely fit. It also took a very long time to cook. I bet. And so, yeah, we actually, I never do this because I have a a great fear of fires, but we actually left it cooking in the oven and went for a hike because- I know. Smokey the bear would not approve. I mean, it it was fine. It was fine. It was not going to catch on fire. It was like, I think I like went to check on it and was like, oh, this is nowhere near done. It's definitely not going to burn by the time we get back from a hike. (laughs) (laughs) This thing has to cook 16 hours. So we had a very late Thanksgiving dinner that year. But so that I have made that. And then I've, I really excel at pies. I make a really killer pie crust. I can't take credit. It's Martha Stewart's. This is what I will tell you people. If you want a good pie crust, you freeze that butter and then you grate it and then good tip yep that's the that is the key to a flaky pie crust we are going to transition to a youtube channel with cooking videos (laughs) i think this is our calling (laughs) and ice water ice water not just water ice water Mm. okay there you go pie crust there you go so angela's super excited and we get a phone call and this is Rosini. This is Rosini's on the line. She's like an old family friend, like from the neighborhood, presumably. This is what I'm yeah, gathering. So if you go back and watch the first episode, oh, okay. when he's leaving, she's like leaning out the window of her apartment being like, you're going to miss New York. <laughs> oh, okay. Because they're so, in what? Connecticut? They're in Connecticut, but he okay. was from Brooklyn. Yes. Okay. So 
She calls and invites the whole family to Thanksgiving dinner. And Tony is so beyond excited. And Angela's like, um, this is your neighborhood, not mine. I don't, you know, I won't know people. And then she says, quote, everyone will be so Mediterranean. Right. The fact that she even says they will be so Mediterranean as though I can't possibly go and fit in with people who are of Mediterranean or Italian descent is weird. So disclaimer, I'm Italian. (laughs) I didn't find that. I was not offended by that. So I I think it'll be interesting to see our contrast. I think we're going to have contrasting views of the rest of this episode. Okay. Yeah. So Mona tells her like, look, lady cut loose. And Angela's like, well, you know, maybe I could go to Brooklyn and quote, get down. Right. What does she think happens in Brooklyn with Mediterranean people? She's in Connecticut. She's like, she's too very waspy. And she's in, have you been to, like, Connecticut? I haven't been to Connecticut. I assume I understand what it is to be waspy in Connecticut or Vermont or anywhere like that. Right. So it's very different than Brooklyn, right? Brooklyn's like a little more earthy and like, you know, so, but like, Brooklyn is its own thing. I, and so, okay, I get it. But just the whole, like, if I'm around a group of Italian people, I will just be so uncomfortable. Angela is a professional woman, and she's like the CEO of a company. Doesn't she presumably interface with people of a large, wide variety of ethnic backgrounds? N- no, I think that she interfaces with lots of other people just like, like her. Like her? Okay. Um, well, I go. do want to say... Both of these shows, particularly Who's the Boss because she's a single mom, really do like highlight this and and it gets into it more in the episode, but really do highlight this idea of like the working woman, which as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, right, because this was sort of new back then, right? Like that's not the norm that we know it to be today. Like this was still a new thing. It was, you know, for a woman to be a CEO or vice president or whatever she is. Was Tony strictly hired, remind me, because I don't remember episode one, was he strictly hired to be basically like the manager of the house? The housekeeper. That was what The housekeeper, but he also does the cooking and he also helps with the children. Like he does- Which is really what I think housekeepers of old did. Okay, like, so I this is why I'm calling him a house manager. Uh, I don't know if that's the PC more modern term. term. I don't know. <laughs> but he was responsible for a lot. Like she was very right. busy in her job. She didn't have the skill set or the time to devote to the home life that right. was she, she basically needed like a housewife. <laughs> so or, Right. Okay. So, I mean, we'll get more into gender roles later, but it really did kind of flip the script on that, which was kind of fun. And it, yeah. it was fun because Tony Danza was this former second baseman for like a major league baseball team. And he was this macho guy, but. Right. He was like, so like manly, but he was like totally good and comfortable with all the household stuff, like much more than she was. Exactly. So then Tony and Angela are still in the kitchen and they're still cooking and he smashes an egg in Angela's hands. And I'm kind of surprised that she, (laughs) that she thought that was so funny. It was this playful moment between the two of them. It was really sweet. And honestly, if someone did that to me in the kitchen, I'd be pissed. Uh, but you have to remember that there's like this flirty energy between them. Right. So if there's sexual you were really them. into this cute guy who did it to you, you'd be like, <gasps> you know? 
Oh, that's so cute. Like, what if it was Jordan Catalano? Not that Jordan Catalano oh. would ever do that. No, Jordan <laughs> Catalano does not know how to make a pumpkin mousse. No. That's okay. He could still get it. He might be able to make pot brownies, but not a pumpkin mousse. <laughs> I, I don't even know about that. <laughs> no, Tito probably does that. <laughs> oh, I miss him. Okay. So we cut to the Rosini's house and we see Joe, Joseph, and Joey and Carmela in the Thanksgiving setting. So Carmela is racing around the house trying to make everything just so. And she's got her dad who's asleep on a chair, her husband who's being lazy on a couch, and her son who's being lazy on the couch. And there's a knock at the door and her husband's like, get the door. Like he just orders her to go get the door. And she just, without hesitation goes and does that she's only doing a hundred freaking things preparing for thanksgiving but you know this husband who is two feet from the door sitting on a couch can't get up and open the door fine whatever (laughs) tony and the family come in and tony is just so happy and the dad is like is this your new girlfriend pointing to angela and he's like no she's my boss and my friend Right. My boss friend. My My boss friend. And there's a great line where he says, she brought a moose. And then the other guy, I can't remember, goes, I don't eat red meat. (laughs) Which, like, I laughed really hard at that. Way too hard at that? (laughs) Was it late? Or were you intoxicated? Or both? Either. (laughs) Oh, God. Hard times lately, guys. Hard times. I look for joy wherever I can get it. (laughs) Oh, some quarantine laughter right there. So Tony says, Angela, you're fitting in real good. And Angela's like, am I? And she's clearly uncomfortable. Like she doesn't know where to sit. She feels like she's in the way. She's just so straight laced. Such profound shoulder pads. (laughs) Oh, very, very aggressive shoulder pads. Lots of feathering in the hair. Lots of. Yeah, she had her hair was uh, impressive. Yeah, it was. There was some volume there. And Carmela tells Tony, I've got a surprise in the kitchen. Turns out the surprise was Gina Bonafetti from Jersey City. And she's this pretty brunette in this tight outfit with like cleavage for days. And she comes sauntering out and she's like, hi, Tony. No hug for an old friend. And they hug and there's all this like innuendo and sexual energy between these two. Right. Didn't Did you find it interesting that like, obviously by the way it's presented by everybody's reaction, you're like, oh, like she's supposed to look like smoking hot. And like, I'm not saying she wasn't a cute, good looking girl dressed nicely, but like she was like the way that she was dressed by like today's standards was like very conservative. (laughs) Well, she had a lot of cleavage going on though. And the dress was tight. It was, but it was like a little longer than any dress you'd see these days. And the cleavage for some, like it was a scoop neck versus like a v-neck and I feel like somehow that just made it seem a little more wholesome (laughs) I don't know I thought she looked like a sex pot I mean I know she was supposed to I just I was like oh it's interesting like how that is was different then than it is now you know right yeah now it wouldn't she wasn't dressed in like full like Jersey Shore of the day how the girls like Snooki and the gang used to dress in Jersey Shore to go out to the club she wasn't dressed like that but she was looking very sexy she was lovely I'm just saying like if she walked into a room today on a tv show today i don't think people would be like whoa check her out you know they'd be like oh she's a cute girl (laughs) she's not half naked so therefore she's fully clothed right so gina is just sitting by tony and busy serving him like throughout the meal she keeps leaning over to like serve him things and it's just like boobs like so much boobage 
And Joe demands that Carmela serve him. He's like really, really bossy. Joey, the son, demands that his pregnant wife, Teresa, serve him stuffing. And she just flutters around. Everyone's just serving the men. And it's just really, I don't know if these were just like major gender stereotype, ethnic stereotype, both. I don't know. It was kind of problematic. And then Jonathan says like, hey, I like the way this place works. Hey, Sam, give me some more turkey. He demands it. And Sam's like, uh, get it yourself. And he says, oh, I guess you have to be Italian. Okay. So I'm going to tell you a true story. Speak to this, my Italian friend. And uh, by no means do I represent all Italian families, but not that long ago, meaning not as long ago as this Who's the Boss episode, I (laughs) was having a holiday dinner with my family. And it's funny, you know, sometimes there are dynamics at work that you don't notice when you're in them. I ended up trapped by the way that the table was set up that I couldn't get out because I had men from my family on either side of me. So I was the only woman who was sort of stuck at that part of the table. And so the meal was over and all of the women, and to his credit, my brother, got up. and Raised by uh, a feminist mother. Right. Got up and started doing the dishes and clearing the table and everything. And I'm sitting there and I'm feeling very uncomfortable because I'm not and I can't get out. And I'm sort of waiting for somebody to, to get up so that I can get out and, and whatever. And that, and this doesn't happen. They're just sitting there talking, whatever, you know. And uh, do you see how much I'm using my hands now that I'm talking about my Italian family? <laughs> <laughs> you guys, her hands are in full force right now. And so I said, hey, can, can somebody move so I can help with the dishes? And they were like, no, no, it's fine. They got it. The women folk have it. I was like, oh, this isn't bothering them at all. Like, they're not like, oh, I should be helping, but instead I'm doing this. And I, and I was like, this is so interesting. Now, I'm sure I have been at so many of those and I have just jumped up to help and not thought twice You were about trapped it. in the table. Yeah. Is that true? Is it because we're Italian? Is it because it's men of a certain generation? Because like I said, my brother did get up to help. Well, it- It's interesting because that's exactly what happened in the episode because the ladies just jump up after the meal and they go to clean up and Tony gets up because he is a house manager. Right, right. He's used to cooking and cleaning and he goes to help the ladies clean up in the kitchen and Joe laughs at him and says, ha ha, what a kidder. Like you're so, you're so crazy. It's so funny and insane that a man would go help the ladies clean up. Well, and then there's also the line where, oh, somebody, they say like Angela works, whatever she does. And one of the women says, oh, you must type really quickly. And she was like, oh no, like actually like I'm the boss. And the other woman says, oh, I could never boss a man around, right? Yeah, Gina says, I could never boss a man around. And the pregnant Teresa is the one that says, oh, you, you have this really high position in a company, Angela. You must really be a great typist. Right. Like it's it's just so ridiculous. Right. So Angela was saying like, well, I guess if, if I can boss men around in my job, I guess I can go help and clean in the kitchen. And she goes in the kitchen and does what? She drops a plate like she doesn't belong in the kitchen. Right. It's just not her strong suit. Right. That's not that's not what she does. I think the the fact that it was so delineated, right, between the gender roles and that it was like s- such a part of the episode, it just really made me remember like this was newer back then. Like this was a newer thing. It was different for women to be in the workforce routinely and then also to be in like 
high powered positions. Mm -hmm. Like this was the era of like LA law, right? All the like lady lawyers and their Mm -hmm. power suits and all of that stuff. So I grew up with it. So I tend to forget that that was new then. And now it's just so, I mean, women still do make like what 70 cents on the dollar for men and that's white women. So if you're not a white woman, you make even less than that. So, I mean, we still have a ways to go, but (laughs) we're not in Mrs. Rosini's kitchen. We're not in Mrs. Rosini's kitchen. My dad has always been the preparer of Thanksgiving, but not just that. My dad has always been very active in the kitchen and very active with the cleaning and the housework. And so that, and to be fair, my, yeah, like my dad cooked a lot when mm-hmm. I was growing up. So it was, a, it was a very like stay in your lane. We have our set These gender our roles, roles. This right? Is how it works. Exactly. But I do also have to say, and I, <laughs> that there was so much in Mrs. Rosini's house that I was like, oh, they really nailed this set. Like, it was just very familiar. Like, it felt very much like my grandma's house or my great aunt's house growing up. Like, the kind of busy wallpaper and <laughs> the, like, fruit sculpture hanging on the wall. <laughs> very familiar. A little the- fun bit of Who's the Boss WTB trivia This set for Mrs. Rosini's apartment was the exact same set that they used for Tony's dad's apartment in season one, episode 10, Requiem. And I didn't watch it to verify that, but this is what the internets tell me. And there's like uh, on the back of the kitchen door, there's like a hanging cloth calendar. And I mean, like, ever, like, Like, that was just a a staple. Weird detail, but I'm like, yes. So Angela later walks into the kitchen and she finds Tony and Gina making out. They don't even notice her. They're making out. So Angela's uncomfortable and she's like, what the heck? And we find out the next morning that Angela actually took the kids home by herself from Brooklyn all the way back to Connecticut. And Tony stayed. Right. Which really begs the question that I'd never considered before. Like, how did she get back? Had they driven and she drove the kids back? Did they take the train? Like, I'm trying to picture Angela and Jonathan, not so much Samantha, because she obviously would be comfortable, but like making on public transportation (laughs) from Brooklyn back to Connecticut. Well, Angela's upset, even though Tony, he said later, like he stayed to like hang out with the guys, but she's upset because she assumes that Tony was probably hanging out with Gina. And she tells Mona that they've misjudged Tony. He's a Neanderthal. And she didn't think there were still women who acted like that and that Tony could be so taken by it. And Mona's like, what are you talking about, Angela? Men like to be pampered. Of course they do. Right. She's like, this is shocking. Men like to be pampered? Like what? (laughs) Which... Yeah, I mean... I'm sure men do like to be pampered. I would like to be pampered. Right. And I was like, oh, do we pamper too much? Is that... I don't know. I'm the wrong person to ask. I'm profoundly single. I don't know. I feel like (laughs) maybe there's a great switcho changeo without actually intending to be. I think when you're perhaps in a new relationship, you want to be so doting. I I feel like that comes from a really genuine place. And then you settle in... Yeah, well, that's the problem. It's like, it would be easy if you were being spoiled in the beginning of a relationship to get used to it. And then when it goes away to be like, well, what the heck? This isn't the way things are in our relationship or dynamics change because children come into the picture or whatever. I don't know. But it seems to me that it it does inevitably change over time. I remember when I first got married, I wanted to bathe in domesticity. I just like let it wash 
over me. I want to cook all the things. I want to clean all the things. I want to decorate all the things. And I want to create this beautiful, lovely home and home life for me and my husband. Right. Like I remember when you were a newly married gal and (laughs) at 22, (laughs) at 22, (laughs) at the ripe old age of 22, but like you would, you know, like he would be going to be done with work or whatever. And you would, you know, like make your hair look nice and all that, you know? Oh my God. So I, not to be like super housewives of the fifties or anything, (laughs) but like, I wanted to look pretty when my husband came home from work. Like now, oh my God. God, I <laughs> do I ever look pretty? I mean, even quarantine aside, like let's just forget okay, I'm for sorry. a moment. About you guys it. can't see us, but Lori always looks pretty. I'm just gonna say that. Oh no, that's just not true. But thank you. That was it's really true. nice. That's <laughs> lie to me some more. Stop it some more. So, but yeah, like I would, I would like, like kind of. You would like get ready up. for him to come yeah, home. Yeah, like I, I. I can't even, the idea of that right now, like, I don't even want to get ready to go to your very fancy wedding. Like, I don't even want. My my current style is I have to go out in the world. Where's a beanie I can put on my head? Oh my God. I'm like, in a strange way, thank God for masks. I don't really have to put on makeup. Oh my gosh. Between like a beanie and a mask. like only your eyes exposed. Right. And now it's winter. So like, I'm all zipped up you know, to my chin. So it's, it's really a dream. That idea is just so foreign to me. So I don't pamper my husband. I, I think if he's listening to this, he's like, no, you don't. I agree with that. (laughs) This is true. That would hold up in a court of law. So we cut to Tony, like rushing in the door. It's 9am. He's been gone all night long. God knows what with Gina and Gina calls. The minute he walks in the door and talking on the phone and Tony asks for two days off. Right. And Angela's like, well, two days off. Can I manage? It's Thanksgiving. Right. Over Thanksgiving. But Tony confides to Mona and says, Gina's the kind of girl you marry. And you know what? She is. She's a hot piece of you know what? And she serves and she. Right. No, what he specifically says is because. He discovers that Angela thinks that they were, you know, up to uh, some interesting things the night before. And he says, she's not the kind of girl you fool around with. She's the kind of girl that you marry. And I am disappointed to report that I have had men who I consider to be fairly progressive in at, at this late date <laughs> share with me that like that idea is still there for them. So this is like an oddly ingrained idea in our culture. You would do things with a woman who you have no intention of marrying or having children with because once you marry them or have children with them, they're your children's mother. It's the Madonna horror. Yeah, it it absolutely is. I mean, I haven't dated a lot of people, but there was a boy that I was kind of seeing in high school and I was told by him, you would make a better wife than you do a girlfriend. Interesting. This was when? This was in high school. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to. There's not that many people to to pull from. You can figure it out pretty easily. But I just remember like thinking, like, that's so, that was so far off in my mind that I would be someone's wife. Little did I know I'd be someone's wife like four years later, about whatever at the time. But you were going to meet your your husband before too long. Right. You were going to meet your husband in like three months, but whatever. Um, (laughs) That just seems so far away to me. And I remember thinking, like, why would you say something like that to me? I mean, he also said, I don't like it when you use big words. So 
Oh, you know, oh, whatever. Yeah. It's Let's fine. Not, but yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's not a terrible person, but no, but but also he was a like, terrible teenager. <laughs> it's okay, and, and not a great boyfriend. No. Uh, so, but but I think it does speak to this idea that this is a really pervasive I- idea in our culture. And now I'm realizing that uh, I've not been married, so I'm like, oh, oh, what? Which category do I fit into there? And it's fine. <gasps> yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Yeah. So very interesting. So Tony's very taken with Gina and like, are they going to get married? What's going on? We cut to Tony and Gina at the Rosini's house and they're having like a romantic dinner alone because the Rosini's are out of town. So something's going to happen and it's all like flirty and fun. And Tony follows her to the kitchen to help with dessert. And she's annoyed. She's like, why are you in the kitchen? Like, this is my domain. My domain. Get out of here. You're a man. Go sit. Go unbutton your pants. And yeah, stick your hand in your in your waistband. Yeah. So she's annoyed, and he smashes an egg in her hands. I don't know what she was doing. With eggs? Like, was she like actually preparing yeah, dessert she was, from they scratch? Were, they were going to make something. They say the name of it. I can't remember what it was. Okay. But, yeah. Well, like he got all the ingredients, and she was like, "What are you doing? Like, why are you helping? Get uh, out of here!" Like, but really, why didn't she make? dessert ahead of time i'm just saying yeah i don't know i don't know what it was supposed to be some poor planning on your part gina very fresh (laughs) but but he does the same thing with the egg that he did to angela in the opening scene only it's not met with flirty fun gina's mad and she's like she is mad why did you do that like we don't play games in my kitchen right which Which really katie we don't play games in my kitchen either like i was gonna say i feel like my grandma would be like why are you doing that? Get out um, of here. You just wasted an egg, salmonella, sticky mess. Yeah, yeah, like gross. Like okay. we don't play games. The kitchen is not the place for fun and games. Right. It is the place for burning meals and right. messing up. And where everyone gathers at a party. That's what kitchens are for. There you go. So so I, we do have to agree with Gina on this one. However, for like <laughs> the sake of the plot line, yes. it does show her as being uptight and Angela as being more fun, which is an interesting which like uh, in what universe is angela more fun right <laughs> like it's the, the shoulder pads and the hair piled on top of the head this is not a right fun and one. the giant glasses the oh giant so glasses big those um, big sally jesse yeah right like how her nose even supports them i don't know <laughs> really heavy and she always wore like angela always wore like really big earrings you know i know that was a sign of the time do you know what's funny is that in my childhood mind, I I thought of her as being very homely. Like I thought of her as not being attractive, which I assume must have been the message that I learned from the show that women like Angela are not attractive, like women like Gina are, or like Mona are. And so to go back and look at her, like, no, she's lovely. She's beautiful. She was beautiful, but like, she wasn't not like, she was always very, like, she was always very covered. And like, she didn't show up. She had a banging body, but she was always very covered, very buttoned up, very right. like, you know, unfun. And she's totally an attractive yeah, woman. Yeah, for sure. And that makes me a little bit sad of <laughs> like the programming that I received as a child of the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, ABC. <laughs> so we end up like the next, what? No, that night. He comes home early. He comes yeah. home early. Yeah. And he tells Angela, like, she's like, oh, you're home early. And he's like, yeah, um, you know, dinner was perfect. I just, I just couldn't. And then there's all the jokes about 
you know, impotence, like impotence, right? Like, which I was like, or, oh, or we joked about we impotence, ED, erectile dysfunction. Yeah, like, um, oh, we we joked about this in 1985. I, I was just sho- I was shocked by it. I was surprised too, and I I for sure missed that when I was. Oh born. yeah, definitely. And they kind of like stay on it for a while. I know. Actually, it's actually pretty funny, but like, and also too, there is a joke thrown in there too, because like, this is, you know, Hollywood and their low hanging fruit. Like, he's like, I don't know. Like, I think I'm different. And she says something. She says, maybe you're changing. Right. And he's like, Hey, Hey, I still like girls, you know, right. because like, Oh, we got to throw that in there. Yeah. Like I uh, don't even think for a moment that I'm changing in that way. Right. You know? Like, Oh my God. Like, uh, so but he says, like, I guess I just, I, I don't know what kind of girl. And I want someone that I can talk to and kid around with. And, like, somebody who has more in their life than just taking care of me. Right. And then Angela's like, oh. He's like, somebody like, and Angela's like, Meryl Streep. Right. <laughs> like, what an odd choice. Like, of all the women. I Meryl's like, great. Let's I mean, who talk about Meryl that. Streep? Like, hell yeah. But, but, like, you know Meryl Streep is not serving you. Like, she's not taking care you as a man no. like she's like so he says like yeah somebody like her and then the episode just kind of ends and they're just looking at each other right do they get together in the end and i don't remember i don't really either but i do know that we have a chance to find out what happens because there is actually a sequel in the works with tony danza and Alyssa milano for sony pictures television and oh. it's going to take place 30 years later With Sam living in that same house, Angela's house. Oh, interesting. As a single mom. Okay. And will she have a male housekeeper? I don't know. It was kind of fun to revisit. I'm going to be really honest. That was not my favorite show when I was a kid. And watching it as an adult, I was like, oh, this show is actually kind of good. Like, they, like it's clever and it is well paced and, you know, all the things that you appreciate as an adult. I mean, it's a little over the top. Like Mona, I was like, okay. Like, I mean, Mona's hilarious, but like also like she's very two dimensional. It was kind of groundbreaking, right? For Angela to be in the role that she was in. Although... In the first episode, you do discover that she's, like, essentially dating the president, right? She's the vice president, and she's dating the president. And I was like, oh, because... I don't want that to be how Angela got her job. Right? Like, um... No. I just was like, oh, this... come on. (laughs) Well, it it was progressive even still. Right. Well, it'll be really interesting, though, with the reboot to see, is it still as charming? Alyssa Milano is a very vocal feminist. And so I'm quite sure the show will have her stamp all over it. And it'll be interesting to see how they tackle some of the issues, you know, in today's culture of her as a single mom. And I don't know if like Tony's going to come to live with her, you know, how much we'll see him in the series if it just pivots mostly around her or the two of them together. Uh, Maybe he comes to live with her to help her raise. Right. Maybe he's. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be fun. I'm excited to see it. Can we talk about one more important piece of Alyssa Milano impact on our childhood? Of course. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, I mean, I wrote her a fan letter. What are you talking about? No. Wasn't it her that was the teen steam workout? Katie, I haven't thought about this. (laughs) Probably I didn't since have 1980. You did. You had the workout yes. video. She had a workout video. Do you yeah. remember? Yeah, I do. Very, very vaguely. I mean, I had the whole kit of Get in Shape Girl, and I have pictures of us using it. 
Oh, get in shape girl. Yeah. So get in shape girl was this like fitness kit for girls. And there was a, it had some weird things in it. It had like, well, of course it had like a cool sweatband and wristbands and it had like a, a ribbon on a stick. So you could like swing it around. Right. You know what? When you said like there were weird things in it, that was the first thing that came to mind. (laughs) Like lavender ribbon. And I thought I I must be wrong. (laughs) I'm I'm remembering this incorrectly. I have a picture of you wearing workout gear with a shirt that says Tampa and you're using my get in shape girl kit. And we used to like exercise for funsies. I don't know who does that. (laughs) I don't know. Not right. a thing in my life, but um, people seem to enjoy it. It was it was very much a part of like the eighties culture. Like I, it was like and Jane, Jane Fonda. Fonda. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I wrote her a fan letter. I never got anything back. I also wrote Justine Bateman a fan letter. She sent me back a postcard. That was nice. It was nice. Thanks so much for joining us. If you can't wait to hear more, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. And because we're newbies in this space, if you'd leave us a rating and review whenever you listen, it would mean everything. You can find us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at the Untitled Gen X Podcast. We hope you keep in touch, beautiful people. Bye. Bye.